Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Oh, yes, Lord, you do give us great victory. You plunge us into victory beneath the cleansing flood. We thank you, Lord, for your blood that cleanses this morning. Help us, Lord, to learn what it means to be a friend of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Second Chronicles 20, verse 7. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people, Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? You know, last week... Uh, Last, last Sunday, actually, uh, went over there and, uh, during the coffee break and uh, just saw, you know, uh, two sitting together, and, and, and Carissa and Sierra. And if you know Carissa and Sierra, you know that they're friends. I mean, they're like joined at the heart. And, and so I, I said, you guys look like you're friends. And Sierra says, oh, yes, we've been friends ever since I was born. <laughs> And today I was watching them as they were crossing over the, the grass there. I think they walk in step together. They're friends. They're friends. It's such a wonderful thing to be friends. You know, on this last trip I took to Israel, I was just giving a lot of thought to friendship. And, and as a matter of fact, the, the reason why I had to do business in Barcelona, but the reason I went on to London and Israel was, was so that I could, uh, I could not, not so I could see particular sites, but then I miss seeing my friends, my lost friends, Professor Marks and his wife, Averill in London, Dr. Avi Zare, Dr. Tammy Zare. And it was really the highlight of my trip to visit my friends and bring the gospel to my friends. And so when I was over there as in Israel, I was particularly asking all, everybody, cab drivers, whoever, I, I would ask them this question, do you have any close friends? Do you have any close friends? And, and everyone said yes. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, you tell me, what makes a close friend? What makes a close, close friend? What one word would you choose for a close friend? What one word would you choose for a close friend? What would you say? Trust. That's what they all said. Trust. They trust. They trust. Everyone said trust. And then they said, we, got, we, we hang out together. We have conversations. And then I would, you know, I, I, and then I would ask them, I'd say, that's great. I said, is your father your friend? Everybody said, no. My father is not my friend. I said, why? He says, well, I respect him. He's my father, but he's not a close friend. I said, why not? What is it that you don't have with your father? The chairman says, well, he, they said, well, he's not the one I want to hang out with. That's all. And so, so establishing all this criteria for friends, for talking together, wanting to be with each other and so forth, then I would ask the question, well, based on your own criteria for friendship, let me ask the next question. Is God your friend? And everybody said, no. 
No, God's not my friend. Oh, well, why not? Well, I respect God. Same reason why my father's not my friend. I respect him. He's not my friend. And so then from there, I went on to, would you like God to be your friend? Because he wants to be your friend. And, 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 and so now, let's think about this phrase in the Bible, which is so remarkable when it talks about Abraham. Abraham has such great titles in the Bible. Who's Abraham? Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, the father of many nations, the father of faith, as he's given to us. Abraham, the Hebrew, the father of all the Jewish people. But the greatest and most glorious title that Abraham has is from this verse we just read in the Second Chronicles 27. He is the friend of God forever. Just imagine that. Imagine Abraham praying to God and saying, God, it's your forever friend who's speaking now. And, and, and this was the greatest title that Abraham had. So now, with a, we've got an eye on Abraham as the friend of God. Let's kind of get, we look at that, let's kind of get all jealous about that. And let's kind of say to ourselves, I want to be a friend of God, like Abraham was a friend of God. So let's kind of pursue that and ask the same questions I was asking all the taxi drivers and everybody in Israel. What was it? What was it about Abraham that made him a friend of God? What was it? Uh, think of it. Abraham the Hebrew was God's friend. Just, a, just that statement. Abraham the Hebrew was God's friend. It kind of puts out for the Jewish people their highest goal and their highest purpose. And that one was so astounding for me in Israel. Nobody was a friend of God. They said that. And, but God's purpose for the descendants of Abraham, for the Jewish people, for all people really, is that they should become friends of God. You know, Jewish people are just like everybody, only more so. <laughs> So this is the goal that God has for the Hebrew people, to be the friends of God for all people. As a matter of fact, Abraham is buried today in a city called Hebron. Hebron. Now, Hebron literally means in Hebrew, the Hebrew place. It means the Hebrew place. But did you know that Hebron also has another name that it's known by? It's called the friend. It's called the friend. You know, um, a couple Friday nights ago at family night here, uh, I was talking to a, to, a, to a friend, a person who was lost. And uh, again, I, I, uh, I asked him the question, you know, you have friends? Yeah, what is, what, what is it that, that makes your friend a friend? And, and, uh, and, and, and he said, uh, well, trust. And, and, and then he went on to, and he said, uh, a friend has got my back and I have got their backs. And that was an interesting thing as well. I mean, just think about friendship like a building a building, and the mortar that goes in the stones of that building is trust. That's the friendship building and trust and, and, and care for the other person, the mortars. And so friends are based on, uh, friendship is based on mutual trust. You trust each other in a, in a mutual trust. Marriages, if they're built right, they're built on a, a mutual trust with each other that they believe, each party believes that the other person is going to be faithful and loyal to them. And what erodes this mutual friend confidence, suspicion, the suspicion for when friend, what friends may believe of each other. I mean, we know that Abraham believed God, and that means Abraham had no suspicions about God. Abraham just trusted God. But, but friendships also are a two-way street. They go both ways. They're a mutual trust. So that means that when Abraham believed God, that means that God believed Abraham which means that God trusted Abraham or God had confidence in Abraham. And we see this in Genesis 18, 18, 19, Genesis 18, 19, when God came to, it was coming to Abraham and he was, he was, he was tossing around in his mind. God was tossing around. Do I tell him? Do I not tell him? 
And, and, and he, says, he says in Genesis 18, 19, no, I'll tell him because, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Because friendships are mutual. Abraham trusted and had confidence in God, his friend, and God had confidence and trusted Abraham. And when God put this trust and confidence in Abraham, so that when he was alone or when he was standing there, that he would be faithful to God, and he was. In Genesis 22.8, Genesis 22.8, when Abraham was really put on the spot and asked by the son that he loved, who he knew he was going to sacrifice, Abraham was going to sacrifice him, but the son said to him, Father, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the lamb? And then Abraham starred as he stood up and said in Genesis 22.8, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. But that's why it's a mutual friendship, because it's, it's never one-sided. We trust God, God trusts us. What does God trust us with? God is trusting us with his gospel. It's not our gospel. It's his gospel. He's trusting us to bring the gospel to his lost creation. And every time we bring the gospel to the lost, every time we do that, we're showing that he can trust us. And God is saying from heaven, I knew it. I knew I could trust him. And God trusts us with his children, with children. For parents, God trusts us with children. It says in Psalm 127.3, Psalm 127.3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Oh, and we thought they were our children? No, they're not. They're God's children. We're just foster parents. We're just foster parents taking care of them. You know, down in Takati now, now we have 135 children in our school, at El Arca School in Takati. Most of them are from parents that do not work at Scanabody. 75% are from parents that don't work at Scanabody. And, and many of them are from Tijuana, which means that every day their parents drive all the way to El Arca, Takati, and they drop off their kids and pick them up at the end of the day. Now, we understand those are not our children. They are their parents' children, but every day those parents sacrifice driving a half an hour to an hour each way to bring and, and, and pick up their children every day. And every day when their parents drop off their children, they look at us and they give us that look of, you know, the, the, this is my child and it's not your child, but I'm entrusting you to take care of them and to teach my child. And every day when they come and pick them up, they look at us and they say, and then with that look of gratitude where they say, thank you for caring for and teaching my child. I knew I could trust you. I knew I could trust you. And in the same way, the children that we have are God's children. And God dropped them off at our home. And God is saying to us as parents, he says to us as parents, these are my children. These are my children. They're not your children. I'm entrusting you to take care of and teach my children. And when the children grow up and, and leave our homes, God says to us, thank you. Thank you for caring for and teaching my children. I knew I could trust you. I knew I could trust you. And as believers, God trusts us with his gospel to bring the law to, to a lost man so that they can come to the Lord Jesus. As parents, God trusts us with children to teach them diligently about himself, about the Lord Jesus. That's a mutual confidence that God had in, in Abraham 
and Abraham had in God. So first of all, if we want to be a friend of God, we must have a strong confidence in God. A confidence in God that trusts God. Doesn't doubt God, but trusts him. A confidence in God that rejoices in him. Like we just saw. Rejoice, rejoice the Lord has made this day. Rejoices, doesn't complain. A confidence in God that hopes, doesn't despair. A confidence in God that asks God, speaks to God, talks to God, asks him, and doesn't just assume. And a confidence in God that, 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 that takes the Bible and accepts it and doesn't reject parts of it. That's the part, that's the part, that's the mortar that holds our friendship to God together. And our contribution in this friendship with God is the trust and the rejoicing and the hope and the prayer and, and, the, and the, the believing of God's word. That's our part. That's what we do for our friendship with God. And this first part, which is the trust or, or what, what, what's called faith, is what James called, he calls this out as the part that Abraham had, especially as a friend of God in James 2.23. James 2.23, which says, the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Now, that verse tells us who are God's friends. Just amazing just to think of that title, God's friends. I mean, that's a fantastic title. All right, so number one and foremost, friends trust each other. They trust each other. They have confidence in each other. Many people, when I, when I ask them that question, what makes a friend, they say, oh, we talk, we talk, we talk, we talk. And I have a lot of friends, which means I talk and talk and talk. And, and, and if you stay up till midnight, I'll call you on the phone like I do Gene. But, and I'm, so anyway, but friends talk a lot. And that's the number two on our list. Number two on our list is what makes a friend a friend? They talk. They talk. And when you call a friend, he's going to talk to you because he wants to talk to you. He's not going to say, what can I do for you? You know, he's not going to get that pushback of, uh, 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 you know, that uh, he wants to get off the phone. He wants to hang out with you on the phone. He wants to talk. And you feel comfortable just talking to your friend about what's happened to you, what's on your mind. Your friend feels comfortable to just talk about what's, what's new in their life and, and what's on their mind. That's what friends do. They talk. They talk. Friends speak on a level that's not like everyone else speaks. They, 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 they talk closely with each other. Very important. You know, for Jewish people, a telephone is a basic human right. Right up there with food and water. And so... And talking as friends, the Lord Jesus said in John 15, 15, John 15, 15, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my father, I have made known to you. I have talked to you, in other words. And, and here's a wonderful word that's dropping from the lips of the Lord Jesus when he says these things, I call you friends. He's, he's, he's talking in this context here about laying down his life and for his friends. And, and then he lingers in this place in John 15. He lingers on the thought of calling this little group his friends, his friends. He, he passes by all the wise and the proud and, and the highly esteemed to this despised group of fishermen. And he calls them his friends. He's our friend. And as his friends we just stretch out our hands to him as his friends. We stretch out our hands over the centuries of time from when he lived to call him our friend. 
We stretch out our hands over the religions of the world, the apathy of all, and to talk to the Lord Jesus. That's what we do. And when we talk to the Lord Jesus, we don't fear like, I wonder if he's changed. Maybe he's changed. Maybe he's like, oh, because we have this confidence in Hebrews 13.8. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and we have this confidence in, in Proverbs 17.17. 17, Proverbs 17.17. 17, about the Lord Jesus, a friend loveth at all times. We're not afraid. We're not afraid that he's going to reject us. We're not afraid of that. As it says in Jeremiah 31.3, Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. That's what's so evil about replacement theology. Because replacement theology is not replacement theology, it's rejection theology. Theology. They say God changed. Because of the because of the because of the the, the, the attitude of the of his people, it says that replacement theology is rejection theology because change that's not true, and so as the Lord Jesus was talking to the disciples as friends, he tells them that he is to them as their friend. He's the one who died for them, and and you know when you think about you looking at the tabernacle, and you see these three these three parts of the tabernacle, the holy of holies where God is the holy place where the service is and the, uh, the outer court, I mean, the, yeah, the outer court there where the sacrifices were. Now, when you and I look at the tabernacle, we say, well, okay, we're going to start with the outer court because you know, we're going to start with the outer court over here and then we're going to move our way over to where God is over here. We're going to pass from the outer court through the, through the holy place of service. We're going to get to where God is at the mercy seat there in the Holy of Holies. Do you know it's so interesting that when the Bible describes the, 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 the tabernacle, that it doesn't start from the outer, and like we went and, and go to the holy place, then into the holy of holies. It doesn't. You know where it starts? It starts here, in the holy of holies, and then it describes the holy place, and then we finally get to the outer court and say, why? Because this are the footsteps of man, but this are the footsteps of God. And that's the point of how why it's described like that, because it's describing God left heaven to go get man and so and he in other words man we have a type of clothing we wear called skin and flesh that's what it says in job 10 11 job 10 11 thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh god has a clothing that's called light it says that in psalm 104 2 psalm 104 2 who covers thyself with light as with a garment as light as with a garment. You see that in the Lord Jesus and the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark 9.3. In Mark 9.3, when it says there, his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, as no fuller on earth can white them. But as a friend, as our friend, the Lord Jesus put on our garments of skin and flesh. When it says in Hebrews 10.5, Hebrews 10.5, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body. Hast thou prepared me? And when he tells us these wonderful things that he's our friend, he says, and, and he says these things about, uh, I'm telling you everything I heard of the Father. He, he's saying, he speaks to us. He speaks to us. And when he does, it's the voice of the Father speaking through him. And when close friends talk to each other, they are open. They are open with, other, uh, with each other. Friends do not hide things from friends. Best friends don't hide anything from each other, with, with each other. And that's what God said about Abraham, his friend. 
in Genesis 18.7, before that other verse I read, Genesis 18.17, I mean, Genesis 18.17, where the Lord was tossing around in his mind, and he said, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And then you can see this kind of percolating through God's mind. Shall I hide that thing from Abraham, the thing that I do? And God says, no, I'm not going to hide it from him. He's my friend. Because that's what friends do. They do not hide anything from each other. As it says in Psalm 25, 14, Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. That's what the Lord Jesus says. I called you friends, and I've made known to you everything the Father has said. This is how God then opened up to his friend. And when he did that, he told him he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Then, then it switches to Abraham. And Abraham now opens up with God, as he had in the past, as, God, as Abraham in the past had opened up when he heard God saying, everything's going to Isaac, all the promises. And Abraham's heart was broken for his, his son that he had with Hagar, for Ishmael. And in Genesis 17, 18, Genesis 17, 18, Abraham doesn't hide that from God. Abraham said it to God, oh, he says, he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God doesn't talk anything about Ishmael, but that was a friend speaking to a friend, opening up his heart. And then when, when, when God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom, then the Abraham says, oh, what about Lot? Lot lives in Sodom. So, so, the, so it says in, in, in Genesis 18, 22, that God was on his way to Sodom, and Abraham stood right in his path. He stood in the path of God. He blocked God. What chutzpah to be able to stand in the path of God? Are you crazy, Abraham? No, it's his friend. That's who he, his friend. And then it says uh, in Genesis 18, 23, that Abraham drew near. He got really close to God. And he said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Maybe, peradventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, like Abraham needs, I mean, like God needs Abraham to teach him who he is. That be far from thee to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And what's amazing there is that God engaged with Abraham there. God, God just say, out of my way. I've already made my mind. I'm going to destroy Sodom. No, God engaged. He says, okay, Abraham, you get what you want. You want, if you want a sparing of the city of Sodom for 50? You got it. And then Abraham continues on his road of chutzpah, and he says, well, what about five missing? I mean, you know, let's not be too picky about this. How about there's 45? God says, all right, 45. And then he, you know, he says, well, now, you know, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just dust and ashes. But what about five more? 40. So it goes through this auction, you know, do I hear 40? Do I hear 30? And so forth. Then he gets all the way down to 10, and he says, peradventure be 10. And Abraham's thinking, well, I'm sure this lot must have won his family. That's 10 people. They got, I got it in the bag. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 